Hello fellow worshippers, welcome back to the Linwood Worship Podcast, a podcast where I, AJ, share with you some thoughts about the whys behind what we're doing on Sunday when we lead our people in worship. And my goal with this podcast is not just to expand your mind and help you acquire more knowledge, but ultimately I want to kindle your passion and help you to be oriented towards Jesus. So, this week we continue in our survey of our church's worship services by taking a broad look at the sacrament of communion, and we'll look at it through three lenses. The sacrament as communion, the sacrament as the Lord's Supper, and the sacrament as the Eucharist. And so, countless dissertations, articles, books, and sermons have been written on this topic, and I'm going to sum them all up for you here in a five-minute podcast episode, so buckle up. First, the sacrament as communion. We know that the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, exist in perfect communion, common union with one another. This is a relational term. In the celebration of the sacrament as communion, we are taken up into that perfect relationship with God the Father, Son, and Spirit. James Torrance is a theologian. He writes, Christ baptizes us by the Spirit that we might participate in his cleansing of our humanity and enter into his body the communion of saints. At the Lord's Supper, he brings his passion to our remembrance and draws us into wonderful communion, holy communion, with the Father, with himself, and with one another, the prolipsis of our life in the kingdom of God, nourishing our faith till he come. So what Torrance is doing here is highlighting the two relationships that are brought into communion through the sacrament. That is, the relationship with the body of Christ, our fellow brothers and sisters, and relationship with the triune God. In communion, our common union with the body of Christ and with the triune God are enacted. Now, second, thinking of the sacrament as the Lord's Supper brings to mind that scene in the upper room where Jesus is eating with his disciples, and he instructs them to eat and drink in remembrance of him. Of course, we know that the meal Jesus and his disciples were celebrating in that room was Passover. David Peterson is a biblical scholar, and he writes, In some respects, the Lord's Supper functions as a Christian substitute for the Passover, focusing on Jesus' death rather than the exodus from Egypt as the means by which God's people are saved and brought to share in the blessings of the inheritance promised to them. Interestingly, when God, through Moses, inaugurated the Passover meal in Exodus, he told the people that this meal would be a commemoration. And when Jesus inaugurated the meal, he instructed his disciples to eat in remembrance. Both of these meals are meant to be an opportunity for the people of God to remember the saving work of God. More could be said about the biblical concept of remembering, but for now it's worth noting that this type of remembering is not simply a cognitive exercise. When you participate in the Lord's Supper, you're doing more than just thinking about what Christ did. 
Mark Golley is a liturgical theologian. He writes that in the Lord's Supper, we don't simply recall something that happened, but we represent it in a way that makes it a present reality. The biblical word for this is anamnesis, and that will require a whole nother episode to dig into. Finally, though, the sacrament as the Eucharist is likely the most foreign term to us Protestants. It sounds pretty Catholic to our ear, and as such we don't typically use the term. But the term Eucharist simply means thanksgiving. Referring to the sacrament as the Eucharist highlights the fact that we celebrate the meal as a thankful commemoration of what God has done for us in Christ. John Whitfleet is another worship theologian. He sums it up saying, Eucharist, based on the Greek word for thanksgiving, names this feast as a meal of gratitude, just as the Last Supper was for Jesus and his disciples, a meal of thanksgiving. So with this understanding, even on weeks that we don't celebrate the sacramental meal, we can still participate in some type of Eucharistic celebration, some type of expression of thankfulness for what God has done for us in Christ. This could take the form of a song, a prayer, scripture reading, or most recently we've been participating in the offering as a type of expression of thanksgiving. In fact, in church history it was common for the offering to be a part of the sacramental meal practice. This highlights the Eucharistic nature of the meal. So in preparation for our discussion this evening, please consider which of these three ways of thinking about the sacramental meal was the most familiar to you, and which was the most foreign 